he left me a message not too long ago, and I saved it on my phone. Oh, stop it. You stop it right I now. Are you are you hearing... about to play a voicemail from Sam Elliott? Oh, yeah, so here's the voicemail. <laughs> oh, my God, um, this is amazing. <laughs> from Sam, when he and I sort of reunited after a while. Hang on, let me pull it back to the beginning. How can it be that my little girl has grown so far since I've last seen her? It's Sam Rebecca. Well, then he then he goes on about some personal stuff, but he called me his little girl all grown up, so I had to I had to save it. But yeah, I mean, he he and I our off screen relationship really did reflect, you know, on screen what what people saw. We really did. Amazing, yeah. Welcome to Buzz in the Tower, a podcast dedicated to the movies of the 1980s. Prepare to be stuffed in our DeLorean and taken on a trip through the best decade of film ever. Hey, Mo, we better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. So if you love Caddyshack, The Goonies, Aliens, Weird Science, Spies Like Us, The Great Outdoors, Empire Strikes Back, The Great Muppet Caper, Pretty in Pink, Predator, Rocky IV, Roadhouse, Say Anything, Real Genius, Short Circuit, Some Kind of Wonderful, Beverly Hills Cop, Akira, Tango and Cash, The Breakfast Club, and They Live, just to name a few, then sit back, relax, and get ready to be entertained. Because we came here to chew bubblegum and podcast about 80s movies, and we're all out of bubblegum. If you haven't already, subscribe to Buzz in the Tower on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And while you're there, leave a review and a five-star rating. It's a moral imperative! You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, and all social media platforms by searching the tag at Buzz in the Tower. That's B-U-Z-Z-N, The Tower. Also, check out our website, buzzinthetower.com, and grab some officially licensed gear. It's so choice. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking some up. Now, if you want to get nuts, let's get nuts. Head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash buzzinthetower. With memberships as low as $3 a month, you can have access to tons of extra content, and a portion of all proceeds go directly to Save Ferris. Dakoshane, darling, Dakoshane. Buzz in the Tower is brought to you by Sonic Loans. You can find them at sonicloans.com. There's nothing greater than the movie Prancer. In fact, it's so great that we're going to replay our episode today of our interview with Rebecca Tackel. But the only thing that's even close to as amazing as the movie Prancer has got to be Sonic Loans and what they're doing in the loan industry right now. 15-year, fixed, adjustable, you name it, they do it. Charlie and his team are waiting for your phone call to get you into the best possible loan so you're not getting screwed on the back end, you're not paying PMI, you're not in any trouble financially. So reach out to Charlie, tell him that Buzz in the Tower sent you, get into that mortgage right now. They are going to absorb as much of that cost as they can, pass the savings to you and to your family, and make sure that you get the perfect loan for your perfect house or refi so you can spend a little extra money in this upcoming year. Again, that's sonicloans.com. Reach out to him today. NMLS number 1955855. Not available in all states. Not a commitment to lend. Additional requirements apply. Visit sonicloans.com or call 313-488-4888 for more information. 
Buzz in the Tower is also brought to you by Bolton Legal Group. You can find them at boltonlegalgroup.com. For a free consultation, call 248-595-0001. Prancer is the story of a dysfunctional family, a highly dysfunctional family, but they find function through the discovery of Prancer. You know, like Dancer and Prancer and Comet. You know, you get it. The point I'm trying to make is, if you have Bolton Legal Group, you don't even have to find a magical beast during the holiday season because Ian is your magical beast. They're going to make sure when you go into court, if you're suing your family, they're going to get them good. If you sue your friends, they're going to give them even better. Bolton Legal Group, they're aggressive, efficient, bird law, business law, real estate law. Don't wait on getting the right attorney in your corner until you're already in trouble. Get that attorney right now. Reach out to Ian and his team at Bolton Legal Group. Set up that consultation. Tell them that Buzz in the Tower sent you and get ready to save Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa. Whatever holiday you need to save, that's where you need to go. Bolton Legal Group. Today's episode, Prancer. A farm girl nurses a wounded reindeer she believes is one of Santa's, hoping to bring it back to health in time for Christmas. Her holiday spirit inspires those around her, something her disheartened father is having trouble understanding. Max, as is true with our annual tradition, one of the greatest interviews you and I ever did with Rebecca Tickell, the star of Prancer, will join us in rerun today on our very special Prancer episode of Buzz in the Tower. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the Christmas spirit to my bah humbug, Max Sanders. And with that, let's revisit our time with Rebecca Tickell. Prancer, by all accounts, is a Christmas classic, and today on Buzz in the Tower, we have the absolute honor of hanging out with Jessie Riggs herself, Rebecca Tickell. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy a trip down Three Oaks, Michigan Lane. I'm Mo Shapiro, and joining me as always, the Carol Weatherby to my Jessie Riggs, Max Sanders. And with that... He's magical, Carol. You're going to cry today. You shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to leak. I understandably. So this This movie, this movie, this movie, wait, we're not not just about the movie. This movie. Yeah, I know this movie, Max. First of all, I'm even nervous doing the intro because until a celebrity actually shows up, (laughs) you have this weird thing. I'm convinced that they're going to blow us off. I think they're psyched. We talked with Rebecca. We've met Rebecca via Zoom. She seems excited. She's coming on in like two minutes. So Her we, voice we got, is still the same. It she, freaks me out. She is intelligent. She's beautiful. She's Jessica Riggs. She's Jesse Riggs. Yeah, she grew up. To it's be, unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Max, let's get all of the stuff we need to get out of the way so we can jump into this. So number Santa, one. Santa, real. Real. Yeah. Big time. We're wearing uh, tonight for the show because we'll have a little bit of zoom that we can show people we're of course sporting our 80s tees.com t-shirts Woo, jelly of the month and i'm wearing my transformers dinobot father's day shirt grimlock strong <laughs> and i love that shirt uh go to our tiktok page subscribe follow share whatever the terms are max knows it better than me be entered Sounds to win good. a 50 dollars gift card max announcement time are you ready for an announcement yes give me a drum roll don't we have one? Let's see. We got some sound effects. Let's Wait, see which okay. one's the okay. drum roll. We have a Patreon. We do? Yeah, we have a Patreon. So here's the deal. We have amazing fans and people reach out to us all the time and they're like, how can we support you guys? And we tell people all the time, follow us, like us, subscribe, pay social media. Bill. Yeah. Now you can actually pay Mo and Max for what they do. So the way the Patreon works, you're going to go to www.patreon.com slash buzz in the tower. Makes sense. Surprise, surprise. There are three levels you can enter at. You can be goose. You can be Iceman. 
or if you're a big spender, Maverick. <laughs> I'm not going to dive too much into all of the ins and outs. I will tell you right now, take a look. You'll see what the different levels of support get you. It's everything from shout outs on the show, behind the scenes, video and audio, ability to vote on different topics we're going to cover, a little bit of everything. Max, it's exciting. It's just a way for our fans to show us appreciation and for you and I to keep rolling around in that good old buzz in the tower dough. <laughs> Eventually, there'll be a Viper section where you can get your name tattooed on me. Yes, for $10,000. Is that $10, what it was? Oh, my God. Max. My whole back. Okay. I, Max, as yeah. usual, you've taken things too far. I need you to get all, get all the weird out of your system before our guest comes on the show. Uh, Val Kilmer. Okay, I think, uh, great. And also, you know what I'm going to do right now? Because I know we're going to forget it if I don't ruin it right now. What? Should we just hop into our commercial? No, you know what? We'll do the commercial later, but it's going to be, (laughs) I know we're going to forget. So just a forewarning, you may be listening to the interview and like out of nowhere, hear a commercial. And it's because Max won't remember to cut for a commercial break. Remember what? That's the problem when you're interviewing Jesse Riggs. Woo! And I we, believe. Dude, she's going to tell us stories. We're going to know about Sam Elliott. You realize both our interviews are about belief. <sighs> Tim Capella believes. I still believe. <laughs> Jessica Riggs believes. Max, on that note, uh, I think I see her in the waiting room. She's here. <laughs> she's here. <laughs> All right. Collect ourselves and let's hop into the interview. Max, welcome to a very, very special holiday episode. You know how I feel about one particular movie from the 1980s called Prancer and... Boy, oh boy, I've been, uh, this is big for me. I've waited my whole life to say these words. Are you going to cry already? I, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to try to hold it together. Uh, I'm going to be all right. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. I want to <laughs> I want to welcome, on behalf of Max, Moe, and Buzz in the Tower, Rebecca Tickell to our Prancer special. We'll call it the Prancer special. Yeah. Um, Rebecca, who played the infamous Jesse Riggs. Not in, infamous. That's bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. How about the... <laughs> Holiday saving, the spirit of Christmas herself. The plucky schemer. Yep, Jesse Riggs (laughs) and uh, Rebecca, before I go an inch further, thank you so much for joining Max and I. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here and to be with you guys. What a great thing to do this time of year. Well, I can die now. Max, are you good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm good. Good. Excellent. Uh, Rebecca, we have a tendency to go off on tangents. That's kind of our thing. We literally go hard right, hard left, up, down. So before I accidentally do that, we're going to talk a lot about Prancer and we're going to talk a lot about you and what brought you to Prancer. But I wanted to give you a couple minutes because you're one of those people who not only is really talented and not only is really nice and kind. And I say that because we've already had a pre kind of meeting with you and you're just so sweet. But you also do that thing that Max and I don't do, which is you make the world a better place. And I'd love for you to talk about the work that you you're currently doing and just point our fans in the direction of some of the more meaningful items that you've been tackling. And the list is long. I'm not going to, I'll butcher it if I try to do it. So (laughs) the floor is yours before I totally fanboy out for the next 45 minutes talking about Prancer. Oh, thank you, Mo and Max. It's such a great honor to be here on your show. And, um, you know, honestly, the truth is when I did Prancer and I got such tremendous feedback from people about how it changed their life and how it touched them so deeply, I really saw the power that film has to change the world. And I wanted to do more of that. I I wanted to touch people's lives. And I certainly know how I get transformed when I watch a good movie. And so I wanted to do that as an adult, make movies that really were about using the magic of film to to heal the world. And I came out to Hollywood as a young adult, and I was basically cast as like a victim or eye candy in a bunch of horror movies. And it was not what I had signed up for. I I literally was filming a sci-fi horror movie um, where I played a succubus and a Clive 
Clive Barker horror movie. And I'm not going to tell you what it was called because okay. I don't want anyone to go out there and watch it. <laughs> but I was on the floor, of the basement floor of a monastery giving birth to a giant like squid covered in goo. And this is like back in the early 2000s when they used like puppeteers instead of CGI for everything. And I had like full eye contacts and it was just horrible. And I remember thinking to myself as they're talking about getting me a diaper because they didn't want me to get up to use the bathroom. I remember thinking to myself, it's time for a career change. I will never forget the kind of outpouring of love and the the difference that Prancer had made in people's lives. And so I decided that I was going to start making movies that were hopeful and that were impactful and made a difference. And so one of the things I'm really passionate about is taking care of our planet. And um, I grew up in nature, just like Jesse. I spent a lot of time outside in the cold. And really I mean, you have it. an avocado farm, which is kind of incredible. <laughs> yes. I just just so people know that like is pretty incredible to me. <laughs> it's true. I when I'm not, you know, working, I'm out there barefoot picking avocados and chasing my chickens around and, you know, trying to to grow, restore our land here where we live. Um, but my husband, Josh Tickell and I, he he was actually the veggie van guy. He was somebody that helped to jumpstart the biodiesel movement in the U.S. back in the 90s um, after he grew up in Cancer Alley in Louisiana and saw the impacts of oil and pollution there. So he and I teamed up back in 2006 and we made our first documentary together called Fuel. You can see if you're watching, you can see yep. the poster behind me. But I'm, in, I'm in my office and there's movie posters up behind me. And and um, that won the audience award at Sundance back in 2008. And then we went on to make a movie about the BP oil spill in Louisiana. That movie was called The Big Fix. And that talked about the environmental impact that that oil spill had. Um, so anyway, we've made 15 films. That's Our incredible. Recent- Our most recent film that came out last year is called Kiss the Ground, and that's narrated by Woody Harrelson, and it's on Netflix. And I think our media impressions reached over a billion people within the first 90 days the film came out. But really, that film is about how we can regenerate our planet, how we can take all that extra carbon that we've put up in the atmosphere and how we can put that back down in the ground where it belongs. And in the process, create healthy soil where we can grow healthy food that nourishes our body and store water that we desperately need to regulate, not just having these crazy storms everywhere, but there's a way to balance our ecosystem. And it really is through soil health. So I definitely invite um, any Prancer fan out there to go and watch Kiss the Ground. It's a film I wrote, directed and produced. And um, I think you'll see a lot of my character, Jessica Riggs's passion coming through the screen. So, So to relay that to our Buzz in the Tower fans, if you don't check out this film, you're <laughs> you're literally selling Prancer to that to that farm for people to look at and breaking the heart of Jessica Riggs. Is that, is that is that safe to say? Don't break my heart. Don't break her heart. It don't do that to her. Bucks uh, yeah, it's for, just for, for two hundred bucks. Right? For nothing more than two hundred bucks. Hey, in eighty nine, that's something. That's that's a lot. So, like so Max and I, Max and I are such uh, believers in recycling that we spent all of our time recycling eighties movies. And that is literally what we do on this show. So no, I mean, uh, truthfully, if you had asked me, if I'd never met you, never done my research and you said, how do you think Jessica Riggs turned out? I would be like strong minded trying to save the world. So it's, it is very much in line with that character who I assume to a great degree, there's not a big difference between the two of you other than I hope, I hope that you didn't have a dad like, uh, <laughs> like, like Je- that Jesse did in the movie, but we'll he talk about that. He turned he it around. around. He did turn it around. He, uh, I, 
That's fair. I'm very much like Jesse. She, I, I remember uh, a review came out about Prancer where Roger Ebert called my character a plucky schemer, always working an angle. And so my husband, when he read that, he could not stop laughing. And now he calls me a plucky schemer, oh, always working great. an angle. That's great. That's totally me. So the same, it's interesting because like one of the things that he said in that review also, and I love this, this sums up when people ask me why I'm obsessed with the movie Prancer. Mm. Um, the best thing about Prancer is that it doesn't insult anyone's intelligence. Smaller kids with will identify Jessica's fierce resolve to get Prancer back into action and older viewers will appreciate the fact that the movie takes place in an approximation of the real world. And I'm a huge Jim Henson fan. Max and I talk about this all the time, like the Muppets, the Relentlessly, Relentlessly, yeah. (laughs) But in large part, that type of it's not Teletubbies. It's not, you know, it's a real movie with real range and real emotion, but it also could appeal. Like I have young children and when we watch Prancer, they loved it. And then they're wondering why their father is crying and his lips are shaking, but there's two sides to the movie. So for any lunatic who hasn't watched Prancer, who hasn't had the pleasure of watching this movie, uh, a farm girl nurses a wounded reindeer she believes is one of Santa's hoping to bring it back to health in time for Christmas. Her holiday spirit inspires those around her, something her disheartened father is having trouble understanding. This movie was released in 1989, Max? Yeah, only two Christmas movies that year. That? This and National Lampoon's. Oh, that's a rough so, one to go up against. National no, those Lampoons. are two great ones. They are great ones, yeah. but National Lampoon's. Different vibes. Uh, directed, by, <laughs> directed by John Hancock, uh, written by Greg Taylor, who also wrote both the Jumanji films. Right. Uh, so he's got and some Harry chops. And the Spy. Yep, there you go. Uh, we've got Sam Elliott as your father, John Riggs. We've got John Duda as Steve Riggs, your brother. Rebecca Takel, obviously, is Jesse Riggs, the single greatest character in any 80s <laughs> holiday film ever made. Uh, Can I take you around with me to talk to people? Well, the answer is yes. Max already asked me if I was going to leave my wife for you and I said, it's really up to Rebecca. I, it's you and Elizabeth Shue are in a neck and neck run with me as far it's as doing never, it. So. Actually. You oh and my, my husband God. can duel it out. It'll be great. I, well, he'll probably win. If he won, if he got you, he's probably already better than I am. I'm just good at being silly. That's about all my skill set is. And then Abe Vigoda as Dr. Benton, Ariana Richards as Carol Weatherby, and uh, Johnny Galecki, uh, which it's so funny people forget additionally not just in this but in National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation as well and uh, if you don't know who that is that's from uh, God what's the Big Bang Theory yeah. took me a minute to think it's about rusty. it yeah, yeah thanks and then uh, Cloris Leachman who I, I thought I, you were going to forget that I wasn't going to forget that With, like, was, the worst <laughs> wig ever by no Miss McFarlane she was fantastic in this movie her hair looks ridiculous um, it <laughs> does was yeah. it was a wig yeah. <laughs> yeah and this movie is set in Three Oaks Michigan so it's basically our birthright to talk about it as being in Michigan as we are <laughs> doesn't exist in real life I no, looked it up it doesn't I, I've looked for it I'll go try to find it one day so Rebecca yeah right she's probably like yeah. okay these guys are really pretty into this so uh, giving giving let's let's start at the beginning tell me how you arrived at the movie Prancer I was a trash tramp in a, my Christmas or my, my uh, elementary school play we did a play called Dungaree World and I was in second grade and I just came out for one tiny little bit and I threw trash at the audience but apparently I wasn't bad and this um, singing teacher from New York I, I was in Vermont at the time and the singing teacher that was pretty well known was in the audience and he saw me performing and he just said I had an incredible stage presence and I my mom should take me to New York and I should audition to do jingles 
for commercials. And so my mom, having had her own unique history in show business, um, she, you know, that song, don't pull your love out on the baby. Yeah. That was actually written by my mom's first Oh, that's wild. About my mom's bad temper, actually. So (laughs) That's great. um, So she was like, okay, took me to New York and I got an agent to audition for Jingles, but then we never heard from her until a year later. I was eight. And that was 19, that was 1989. And um, I went down for an open call for, they were looking for someone to star in this Christmas movie, Prancer. And so I will never forget going down to New York, crossing over the Washington Bridge, just like the excitement of like seeing all the lights of the city and going into the city and um, the, the hallway filled with kids, you know, all auditioning for this part. I mean, they auditioned hundreds mm-hmm. of girls for this part. And um, and I remember when I read the script with my mom, I remember I cried. I remember just like it, something in me knew that this was me, that this was for me. I just, I felt it in my bones when I read the script. And actually that was my, really my first time reading because I was pretty dyslexic as a kid and I was able to read that script and that was pretty much the first thing I had read wow. when I was eight years old and um, and I went in and I auditioned and then they called me back they're like don't go back to Vermont stay and then they called me back the next day and then I went in again and I think three or four times they called me back until finally the director and the producer were there and it was down to me and just a handful of other girls and so I went in and did the the final audition with them and then they had me come back and it was me Ariana Richards, who ended up playing Carol Weatherby, and um, Abby, Gabby Hoffman, Abby Hoffman's daughter, yeah. all down to the final final three for the role of Jesse. And we did um, we did a, a screen test, and then um, I remember I think it might have been with Sam. Oh man, Sam Elliott, (laughs) the old double deuce. Like this is as if the movie itself and your performance isn't enough. The fact that you then sprinkle in Sam Elliott, the Max and I have an unhealthy obsession with him as as Wade Garrett from Roadhouse. It gets talked about a lot on our show. He is he is an amazing human being. He's but he's but he's also a method actor. So he was always in character when he and I interacted. Oh wow! Oh, was, it, was he always kind of frustrated with you then? That must have been yeah. Terrifying. Well, he he was very he was a bit gruff. Yeah. You know? Oh wow. Was, yeah. Your um, your guys' chemistry is I mean I I joke I make all these jokes about how like this movie brings me to tears but the interactions that you have with him and like his his twist and his ability to move from kind of like I need to do what's best for you and get you out of the house to to the end of that movie I mean I I can't I can't even in prepping for the show watch the scenes without my eyes watering up and it's so believable you guys both have incredible chemistry with each other it reminds me of you and your oldest daughter I she's a spitfire as well a little little bit I'm not as gruff as he is but yes Uh, a little bit of a spitfire And then Ariana ended up going on to do, uh, for those that don't remember, Jurassic Park, which is, I think, like probably the most memorable role that I could think of on my head and for her at least, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. The, the directors ended up showing up at my doorstep in Vermont because the producer had worked with, um, uh, she had had a girl in the movie Dune that she had produced oh, yes. that Jesus, the damn. mom was a little <laughs> bit off her rocker. And so she didn't want to hire a girl whose mom was crazy again. And so she came to interview my parents to make sure that they weren't going oh, wow. to work with. And I remember I fell asleep at the dinner table and I woke up in the morning and I was like, did I get it? And my parents were like, yeah, you got it. <laughs> oh, that's so, so great. That's great. Props to the parents. Right? 
Today, I'm sure they reminded you of that too. They're like, just don't forget, we 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 played it cool and didn't act crazy. That would be like my kids' nightmares. Like, Dad, pull it together, please. Or I'm not going to get this job. They uh, held it together for one night. So that, the one night is better than most parents. <laughs> I I wouldn't have held it together that well. So you get the role, and we talked a little bit about the relationship with Sam Elliott. But I'm trying to tee up these questions. But the reality is, like, I don't even know that I need to. Just I love hearing this. Like, you you well, show listen, up, you like, walk me through crazy? it. Yeah, tell me everything listen. crazy about this movie because okay, I want to so know. Sam. He was gruff, but I loved him. You know, my own dad was really gruff. And so that wasn't an issue for me mm-hmm. um, at all. Um, but let's see. He left me a message not too long ago and I saved it on my phone. Oh, stop it. You stop it right I now. Are you are you hearing... about to play a voicemail from Sam Elliott? Oh, yeah. So here's the voicemail. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, this is amazing. <laughs> from Sam when he and I sort of reunited after a while. Hang on. Let me pull it back to the beginning. How can it be that my little girl has grown so far since I've last seen her? It's Sam Rebecca. It was incredible hearing your voice. I was out of town. I picked up a message. Well, then he then he goes on about some personal stuff. But he called me his little girl, all grown up. So I had to I had to save it. But yeah, I mean, he he and I our off screen relationship really did reflect you know on screen what what people saw. We really did. Amazing. Yeah. So just um, so just so you know, you no, know, like when you guys were fighting in the car right. and all that, and I, I just you get I'll, out. I'm just like, oh. I want to put this out there on behalf of Max and I. I will do whatever you need me to do to save the environment. If you can get him to come on our show and talk about Roadhouse, I'm just putting it out there. I like if there is any like oil tycoon that you need me to go you know, take out. I, I'm willing to go whatever length is necessary. Max, tell me that you wouldn't feel the same way. We like, should do what she did and go cross country in a biodiesel car. Yeah. And podcasts from every state. If that's what you need us to do, we will we will be your minions. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Back to Prancer. Back to, that's amazing. Hearing his voice. I'll see well, what that's I incredible. can do. Oh, <laughs> man. Oh, boy. So you get on set and and what's set like life and walk us through it, you know? Oh, man. I actually got on set and I came down with laryngitis. And <sighs> so they had to do all of the scenes where I'm in bed first because I was actually all the scenes where you see me sick in bed. After you fell out of the concussion. tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we did all those scenes first. They redid the whole schedule. So we did some of the hardest stuff up front. And, um, you know, honestly, they did not follow the child labor laws at all. Like we worked from 5 a.m. and we would go until 2 or 3 in the morning sometimes. God, and I wow. eight years old. Wait, that's incredible. This is your first movie too, right? It was. Yeah. It was my first professional anything. Yeah. And But I didn't. I mean, I loved it. I was just so happy to be there. Um, I mean, I really loved every second of it. I, I loved doing the work. But the thing was, like, I had to learn a lot. And so if I wasn't believable, the director, John Hancock, he would make me run laps around the set. And oh, so wow. part of why you see, like, part of the, it's like sometimes I'm, like, really flushed. Yeah, and, like, yeah. Yeah. It's because I'd been running and he would make me run and I would come back and he'd be like, do another lap. And I would get so angry that sometimes I would come back in tears and he'd be like, roll camera. And then we would do the scene and I would just be so emotionally charged. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really frustrated. And so a lot of what you saw. And then also every time we would do the scene, we'd do it like three or four times as per the the amazing script that Greg Taylor wrote. But then we would improvise the scenes. And so a lot of the things that you actually hear me saying when I mess up, that was just me improvising. Like when I tell Dr. Benton, Abe Vigoda, that he's going to go down in history for this, that was me messing up the line. I was supposed to say... I go, no, I'm supposed to say you're going to go down in history for this. But what I said was history is going to love you for this because I I, I notoriously still to this day butcher any type (laughs) of expression or phrase. Or when I say like to Sam in the car, 
you know, like a million, a 2000, a hundred, and I'd like mess up all of the numbers. It's because that we were totally ad-libbing. Oh, at that that's point. great. That's so, so great. A lot of it was just improvised. And that's also part of what brought out a lot of the sort of the real flavor that you get from the film. So in, hearing you say this now, it makes perfect sense. I thought, again, I'm trying to look at this through the lens of, you know, first we're fans, but then secondly, we try to see things through a critical eye. And one of the things I think is incredible. And now that you told me about how you were sick in the reverse order, you have this glow and this energy throughout the entire movie. And then obviously that gets knocked out of you when you fall out of the tree and it's very believable and you are, you're not overacting. And now knowing that you were sick, I totally get the, the little zap of energy that you had and the Abe Vigoda scene. When you, when you look at him and you start talking about how doctors lie and that's what they told you about your mom, that is, I have four trigger scenes. Just so you know, that's one of my trigger scenes. Of, really? Uh, yeah, that is for sure. Why? Because I just, I, <laughs> I've told Max knows this, like my mom passed away when I was in my early twenties and I, the, the mental reconciliation of not trusting doctors because, you know, this character had lost her mom and here's this animal doctor and you're kind of transferring that to him. It just, I don't know, it just strikes me in this way where I'm like, well, here we go. Now I got to watch this and start tearing up again. But what was it like to work with him? He he seems like the favorite grandfather that everybody ever had, right? You know, he was, what's interesting now in hindsight, like both all, um, Chloris, Abe, Sam, they're all method actors. So, uh, wow. Um, you know, Abe, sometimes like when we were walking around out, the, we were outside the, uh, the cage where Prancer was in the cage and he would do things to make me laugh, like walk in slow motion. Like they'd be like, okay, do it half speed for focus, for the focus puller. Mm -hmm. And so he would go in slow motion and like, and make me laugh. But in that scene and that you see in the barn and then with me, um, hanging on to the car, um, he was kind of, he was frustrated with me and he let me know it. And so we were actually having, we were engaged in like a real struggle in real life off camera as well as on camera. And so you, that really shows up in the scene. I think, I think the director and John Hancock, I love him. Like I've been in three of his films. Um, but I think that he just really encouraged them to be re in real life with me, the way that the characters would be so that I would have this really authentic relationship with them on camera. And that was okay with me. Like, I mean, I was confused by why these people were so rude sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that shows up in the way that I am interacting with them on camera. I mean, it was very real. That's incredible. I mean, it's, yeah. I guess uh, you and I, maybe Max, we take for granted the fact that, because I'm just thinking of my own children, you're eight years old and I have kids at that age and to try to solicit emotional responses from them, it has to be authentic. They can, they can read BS pretty well. Like if, if and so I guess it makes sense, the method acting triggering that, but I would have freaked out. Uh, you'd freak out now <laughs> at your current age. Sam Elliott being mad at me. <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. You know, actually when I'm standing with him, um, he's holding me in the window and we're looking down at the Christmas carolers yep, at the yep. end. Um, I'm supposed to laugh at something that he says. And I remember we did the rehearsal and after we did the rehearsal, he looked and he goes, that was terrible. He's oh like, my God. He's like, you can't laugh like that. That was really bad. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> you guys will do it better next time. You know, like everybody was really pulling for me to do a good job in that role. So did you have any sense? The Again, this is kind of tough, but I'm curious. So the movie wraps. Did you or anybody there have any sense of, wow, like this is something movies get made all the time and commercial success up or down and aside. This is this is a classic. I always wonder if people who are on classics have a sense when it ends that they created a classic or for you, was it just 
a continuation of the ride. We'll see where it goes. Did anybody there have a sense like, wow, we, oh, I we did knew. something? I knew we had done. I knew it was magic. I really did. I really believed that I loved the story. It was such an incredible experience for me. Um, I And I remember they sent us a, a VHS of the, the film before it came out so that we could watch it. And I remember we put it in and we all sat down in my grandmother's room and we watched it together. And I remember just, I remember I, I, it wasn't me that I was seeing. I got so, you know, engrossed in the story. And I remember I cried watching the film and um, yeah, no, it was, it was definitely something that set me on my life's course. And I knew every second, like, I think I devoted myself to it and I didn't mind the hours. I remember when I was um, supposed to open the door and with Carol and I'm about to show her the prancer for the first time. And we kept doing that scene over and over and over again because it was 42 degrees below zero. Oh, oh my and God. My character was supposed to be poor and her character had more money. So mm-hmm. she had a nice jacket. She had nice mittens. She had warmer clothes. But I had really not, I didn't have great clothes. And so I remember I couldn't open the gate, the door. I couldn't get the latch open. And we had to keep doing it over and over and over. And I remember I frustrated John so much, but I couldn't feel my fingers, oh. you know, and I, I didn't, I just wanted it to be great. I didn't care. I just wanted, I, I would have, you know, we stayed up all night, some nights doing scenes and I was right there and I didn't complain because I want, well, I did get mad at John when he would make me run around. But, um, <laughs> the running is great. I'm going to start yeah. doing that with you, Max. When I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, take a lap. By the way, I don't know what you say about her clothes. I love the yellow coat. I was actually going to ask <laughs> if you have that yellow coat still. It's like uh, bright and it. unique. It's hanging in my closet. Shut up. Okay. No way. Yeah, no. Oh my <laughs> God. That's incredible. It's so Jesse. It's just loud and yellow and in your face and the, positive. The, the most, the most Jesse thing in the world in the whole movie. What? It, is is the beginning when the you're singing, you're singing yeah. and the teacher says half the class stop singing <laughs> and then half singing and you just have this little girl who's beaming with the Christmas spirit and is just it sets the tone for the entire movie. It's great. You know, I'm actually a good singer, and so <laughs> they made me like sing off key and really loudly. And so my whole life, people think that I'm a terrible singer, but I actually am not. I'm not bad. Oh, that's singing. great. That's like wow. I acted, that was called acting. Uh, yeah. You you killed it. Obviously, someone is that good of a singer to sound that terrible. That's serious chops right there. That's is that great. what you're doing all the time, Mo? That's you're always. I, I'm a much better singer than you would think. Absolutely. <laughs> I sing quite a bit on the show. I'm not sure why. I think it dates back to some karaoke incidents that I'm, I've had. I'm tone deaf. So Max has a serious off. ailment. He is yeah. really tone. Like, <laughs> can do some yeah. karaoke. I used to be a karaoke hostess. So I'm like totally down with that. When oh I came God, out to amazing. LA. That's amazing. What's your go-to karaoke song? Oh gosh. Maybe these boots are made for walking. That's a good That's one. That's awesome. That's a good one. <laughs> but the, the the correct answer is always don't stop believing by journey. Just so just so we're all it's clear. True. 500 <laughs> miles. I like that. That's one. a good so one good. too. <laughs> so along those lines of, of uh, your favorites, taking a quick step away from Prancer, but don't worry, we're coming back as a child of the eighties and we're an eighties podcast. What are some of your favorite eighties things? And when I say eighties things, I don't want to keep you just on eighties movies cartoons tv shows music what about that era because that's part of what's great about prancer too is that it is timeless but it also stinks of the 80s like it's got all the things that i love about the 80s in it everything from kind of the characters to the the clothes the jacket like max is saying so what are some of your favorite 80s things Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I had to really think about you had mentioned that you were going to ask me about my favorite 80s movies. And so I had to really think about it because, you know, I grew up in Vermont and pretty in a pretty rural area. And so I didn't really I was sort of limited to what I could watch on VHS. Um, But gosh, remember the dial tone? Like we don't even have a dial tone anymore. Absolutely. 
I miss, I kind of missed the dial. My, my son picked up like a house phone. He was like, mom, what is that sound on the phone? And I'm like, that's called a dial tone. And actually my voice often will trigger the phones. Like for some reason, like I'll just, it'll just like hang up when I'm leaving a voice message for someone, or it'll like re- re- ask me to re-record. Like it triggers these weird signals in the phone. So I really miss the old fashioned phones where it wouldn't hang up on me. And you actually had to know a person's telephone number to dial them. Oh, these old things that our kids will never know. Right. <laughs> In terms of movies, I mean, honestly, I think my favorite was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That's yes. a very uh, solid pick. And The Breakfast Club. Yep. And of course, The Princess Bride. Um, Back to the Future, right? So, I actually got to go to the Back to the Future 2 premiere with <sighs> Raffaella De Laurentiis. And I met Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito, Donald Trump. Um, just, it was like, I remember it was on the universal lot. It was so, it was like, I remember my eyes were like giant golf balls. Oh the my whole gosh. Time. That's wild. That had to be the biggest premiere of that year. Probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was, they closed down the, all of universal studios or at least the lot and the whole thing was taken over with this big movie premiere. But back to movies. I mean, do you want to know the truth? What my real favorite 80s movie Yes, is? absolutely. Dude, it's Dune, right? <laughs> like my mom banned me from watching this because I watched it so Oh, I'm excited. Times. I'm excited. <laughs> And I think still to this day, it actually is one of my favorite movies, Dirty Dancing. Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Come on, Johnny, baby. I mean, nobody puts baby in the corner. corner. Of course, of course, Jesse Riggs loves Dirty Dancing. This makes perfect sense to me, right? You go from saving Christmas to saving the the poor dancer that got knocked up to saving the environment. He's not like the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Absolutely. Throw throw like. (laughs) Throw She-Ra in there and a couple classic, you know, empowered <laughs> 80s cartoons. Rain. Oh, oh yeah. Max loves Purple Rain. Yeah, yeah. yeah you don't like it. I do, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't love it. But you just hate Prince. I don't hate Prince. Enjoy in Purple. You stop the it right big, now. The Big Chill. That was oh, that's a great oh, yeah. one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, of course, Steel Magnolias. Like, you know, I'm like still Makes me stop. Yeah. yeah. If you can't tell, Max and I are overly emotional as it is. So we, we try <laughs> we try to, like, limit it to things that don't make it. We did, uh, we did an episode about Mother's Day, and we talked about our favorite Mother's Day films, and and it was just, it was very difficult for the two of us. It to was get rivers through. of tears. Yeah, yeah. We were just terms giant. of endearment kind of just push it up. Terms of endearment oh, is that, that, that that'll kneecap you. If you, I think like a good test to see if someone's a sociopath is put them in front of terms of endearment. If they don't cry, lock them up, lock them up right oh, away. Seriously. Yeah. I'm like a puddle with that movie. Actually, do you want to hear another crazy secret? Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> We, you know, where I grew up in Vermont, because Prancer, we had this sort of a big premiere in Burlington and the senator came and uh, the mayor and then the movie theater gave us free passes to go see movies. And so my mom was like, she, but she couldn't get in without me. So she took me to see like all of these totally inappropriate films. Like we went to see Born on the Fourth of July. Oh my God. In the theater. <laughs> but the one where she took me to see that like forever scarred me was um oh gosh um oh, with Laura Dern and Diane Ladd and she plays her mom Blue Velvet like, Is it no no let's not Blue Velvet it's like way dark and she like smears the lipstick all over her face um oh it's a God. David Lynch film Wild at Heart Wild My mom heart. took me to see that in the movie theater which is like totally not you know Well like anything an David Lynch movie. yeah and so the funny thing, I remember like I halfway through the movie, I was like, mom, this is totally inappropriate. And I like went out and like I went to the bathroom and I didn't come back in the theater. But the funny thing is now Diane Ladd and Laura Dern are my friends. No way. And so 
I told Diane, I'm like, Diane, you know, when I was little, my mom took me to see this. She's like, oh, bless you, my poor <laughs> child. And she's like, I live in Ojai, California, and she lives in Ojai. She's like, she's like my Ojai mom now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of feel like somehow because I saw in the theater, I like manifested them in my life. And I don't know. Yeah. Well, and so this actually segues perfectly into one of the things I'm curious about. And I know you've got some beautiful children. If you want to give them a, a quick shout out, uh, I think yes. two, correct? Yep. I yeah. have a four-year-old Jedi and my daughter is Athena. She's seven. So my childhood, one of my childhood best friends, uh, Max, you know, Brian, right? Yeah. So uh, his last name's Hunter and his son is Jediah, but they call him Jedi Hunter, which I think is just about as cool of a name as you can give a child. It's uh, <laughs> it's certainly better than what Mo stands for. I can tell you that right now. So I, I would love to know, have they seen Prancer and what is kind of like, what's that like, right? Do they grasp what mom and dad do? Because I know on the other films you work on, I just wonder if the content is a little bit out of reach for them, whereas Prancer is probably more, you know, in reach for them. You know, actually on my Instagram page, there's a photo of me showing them the film for the first time. And um, they, they kept looking at me and then looking at the screen and they're like, Mommy, why was your dad so mean? Like they couldn't understand why he was so mean. I'm like, well, that wasn't my real dad. And because we make movies, they understand like that what they're watching is right. like they understand that they're not real because right. we do a lot of animation and we do like and they're on the set with us all the time. In fact, my daughter is even in a film that you can watch online for free. It's called The Earthing Movie. Um, and that's sort of about our our process of her being sick when she was little and how we healed her. It's a really beautiful film. And so they get it. They're in front of the camera all the time. And in fact, all of the movies that we make, they kind of feel like their movies. They feel a sense of ownership of it. So oh, that's cool. they know that it's not real. But Family they were business. like, but mom, what like was a reindeer real? Like they couldn't understand that like you of course actual... said yes. The movie wasn't real, <laughs> yeah. but just so we're clear well, the was reindeer real. was. Yeah, boo. They boo, really are right? reindeer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well actually this is a funny story because I was on the Today show promoting Prancer and Deborah Norville was hosting the Today show at that time. This was back in nineteen eighty nine. And she was talking down to me I was like holding on to this like reindeer that wasn't boo the pregnant female reindeer that actually played prancer and they had a pregnant female reindeer because female reindeer will keep their antlers longer than a regular reindeer and so we the and actually she lost her antlers the day after we stopped filming oh no that's wild but so I was on the show and I think it was like actually like a a caribou or something it wasn't even a real reindeer And I'm like, it was a horse. this wild animal. <laughs> and Deborah's asking me questions like, oh, like Prancer, did you get to meet Santa Claus? And did you get to ride on Prancer's back? And I'm like holding this reindeer. And I remember I was getting really annoyed with her and her questions and this deer that was like out of control. And I finally look at her and I'm like, you know, Prancer's not just like a kitty movie. It's about, it's a real movie. Oh, I love it. I got, we, you, I got to find that clip. That's incredible. I'll find it. I'll post it on our TikTok. We're going to find that clip yeah. for sure. And I was so worried that my mom was going to be mad at me because I kind of schooled her a little bit in the interview. And my mom was like, you did so good. She was so proud of me that I kind of stood up for the movie and said that it was, you know, a real film that not just, not just for kids, but for adults too. That's awesome. All right, so we've got a couple more things planned. I mean, here's the thing. I have to be conscious of the time or we'll keep you here for two days. And I I think that's not (laughs) probably fair to your family. So one thing that Max and I were real excited that you agreed to shocked and excited you agreed to this is more your thing this is definitely my thing is what we like to call the buzz in the tower scene reenactment 
we're going to be recreating one of, I think the one of, I say the best scene, every scene in this movie is the best scene to me. And Max <laughs> accuses me of this all the time where I'm like, best scene, best scene. But I really love this scene. It's when Carol and Jesse are kind of discussing a big topic of discussion for eight, nine year olds, right? Theology. Is, is Santa real? <laughs> is Santa not real? I won't share anymore. I'll just hop into character. Now, if you don't mind, I'm just going to, I'm going to put my wig on. It's my, it's my Carol wig. Cause I think that'll help you get into, into scenes. So just give me one second here. Not weird at all. Did you tease? <laughs> not the, even a little bit weird. Did you tease the bangs? No, I'm the worst because I left the hairspray at home because I wanted to put the big bangs on it and I completely did not. <sighs> so shame on Not me. authentic. Yeah. I love in the movie, her mom has the serious bangs too. It's like a yeah, genetic and actually thing. they 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 kept coming back. She kept they kept bringing Carol's mom back, and John, the director, was like, "Higher, higher!" And they take her back out, and she come back in and be like, "No, we want I want them as high as the girls that we see at the mall." Like, it was really important to him. It makes it eighties. The bangs. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't fix the bangs. Oh, that's nice. You kind of you kind of look like Montley Crew five years out of their prime. No, Max. <laughs> look lovely yeah what i look, look like you. is carol just so we're clear i'm carol just like her and just so we're clear i'm definitely not living a childhood fantasy right now so this is just we're doing this for the show this certainly is not my dream to be in movies with my favorite actors and actresses you so. look like rebecca after she ran around tonight. right now right now in max's head he's like and this is where the show took a turn yeah <laughs> All right, uh, Max. Why don't you Why don't you say action when we're when we're ready? And we'll hop into it. Three, two, action. No, you got to do what? it's it's the four, three. I don't know. I've never been Hollywood. This, I'm sorry, amateur hour. Fine, here. I'm just I apologize. Action. We're here hey, with a quiet. profound actress, I'll and we need to get action. Okay, okay. you say yeah. action. And action. The problem is, Jesse. I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. What? I mean, think about it. How could one man climb down all the chimneys in the world in one night? He's magical, Carol. It doesn't make sense. Well, Carol, not everything in the world can be explained. I've never seen Santa Claus, and I've done a lot of looking. You've never seen God either. Does that mean there's no God? Well, how do we know about that for sure? Because if there's no God... There's no heaven. Well, maybe there isn't. All right for you, Carol Weatherby. You're not my friend anymore. What did I say? That there was no heaven. So? What about my mother then? Well, that was uh, that's was, that was great. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna. I don't even. Oh, the light was in the well. No, it was perfect. It was no. perfect. It was no. the best. It was the best. The light was 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 the North Star, and the angels were looking down on you. I'm so emotional right now. This is. There's my mom. I thought that this was a good idea at first, and now I don't think it was a good idea. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was amazing. Thank you so much for uh, another bucket list item for me. Off. So that's that's fantastic. Oh my God, that was so cool. Yeah. And it is, it's like, so it's like, these these are questions that we're all dealing with, right? Like, what about God? What is it? Is magic real? Like we all want to believe that there's something beyond this life. I feel like, like Prancer does such a good job at like asking questions to adults as well as keeping the magic alive for kids. Unrelated. It's cool if I just leave the wig on for the rest of the show, correct? Absolutely. Okay, good. I I just want to make sure. It's it's a classic. I mean, it's so there's not that many holiday movies in the 80s, too. And the 80s is very like iconically like Christmas, that time of year. When we do our Christmas list movies, there's like eight to ten. We use a lot of like Rambo and Die Hard because technically those are Christmas <laughs> movies. Yeah. yeah, so. Leave a weapon. What's well, easy with the fudging Christmas in. movie? 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Easy, easy now. I mean... I mean, of all people, you're the one who got us to believe in Prancer. I shouldn't have to get you to believe that Die Hard is a holiday movie. It's, uh, yeah, it definitely is. Oh, no, is. it is. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know. I know. Um, well, I think now is the perfect time to hop into the Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight. So today's Buzz in the Tower fan spotlight is the gentlemen from the Pearl Poet Band. You can check him out on Instagram at Pearl Poet Band. And he is a Floridian art rocker, musician, talented gentleman, poet, poet. And when we put our little teaser out there, because just so you know, Rebecca, we were terrified. We never know until you show up that you're going to show up. So (laughs) we, we wanted to get a general kind of temperature of who wanted to do this, but we couldn't come out to our fans and say, we're going to have you. Cause then if you didn't, we would look awful and they would be so disappointed. <laughs> so we put a, we put a feeler out there and like we, the minute we dropped the lure in the water, he bit hard. So I'm really curious to hear what he had to say. So let's kick it over and see what his uh, questions and remarks are for you. Hi. So this question is for Jessica Riggs. What was it like to work with, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Sam Elliott. And also, what was it like working with Cloris Leachman? I mean, I imagine that was pretty incredible. Um, And if I could get one more question in, how does it feel to know that, you know, 30, 32, somewhat odd years later, you still have children, teenagers, young adults, um, middle-aged folks and even older folks that adore this film. Um, I'm actually more into kind of like artistic movies, but I just I have such an affinity for '80s films and Christmas movies, and this one's just really special. So thanks for for being a part of it. Gosh, I mean, I feel like like Sam. I had I had no idea who any of these people were. That's the truth. Like when I showed up on set, I didn't know roadhouse or you know cloris leachman or any of these any of anyone um so to me i think that really helped because i didn't treat them any differently than i would anyone else and they certainly didn't hold back with me i mean it was really they were really authentic relationships and cloris i remember she kept talking about all of her husbands and she kind of (sighs) Because in the original Prancer script, there's a whole bit that got cut from the movie where she was supposed to have like killed one of her husbands and allegedly the bones were buried in the attic where I go up and I'm like actually looking for her husband's bones. Then I find all of these Christmas ornaments instead. So this whole bit of the film. And so she kind of like teased me and made me think that she had killed at least one of her six (laughs) husbands in real life. And I thought she was awesome. I mean, I thought that she was hilarious. And, you know, we did all of those. I pretty much did all but two of the stunts myself. So I actually ducked my head and um, rode the sled underneath the gates. And everybody was like concerned that I was going to get decapitated. And she was like hanging onto the gates. And I mean, it was, it was, I'll never forget these times with them. They were, they became like real family to me. And I think, you know, sometimes I'll be in a, I don't know, like on vacation with my family or remember I was honeymooning with my, my husband and people kind of look at me and they'll look at me really long <laughs> and my husband will kind of like elbow me. And then, and sometimes they'll be like, we know each other. It's like, do, did we go to high school together? Or like, I know you. And it's always kind of awkward for me because I, I don't want to be like, well, did you see the Christmas movie Prancer? Because a lot of the time it, that's not it. You know, sometimes it's not, but then when it is, 
you know, they like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a good one. So I was driving home to Vermont for Christmas and it was Christmas Eve and I was driving home. I was living in New York City at the time and I was driving home and I had to pull over for gas and it was 1130 at night, Christmas Eve. I pull into this gas station and I go into the gas station. This is like upstate New York, up, up upstate New York, not like upstate New York, but like the real upstate New York. And um and I remember I went in there and the guy at the cast register was kind of like, oh, you, you that's funny. You, you know, I was watching this like really cheesy Christmas movie last <laughs> night in the middle of the night. <laughs> he was kind of like downplaying it. Like, you know, it was like this stupid kids thing. He goes, that's funny. You, you kind of look like that girl. And I look him square in the eye and I'm like, I'm her. <laughs> I am not joking. He jumped back like two feet. And he was like, no way. And then he started like quoting lines. He's like, he was like literally quoting verbatim lines from the movie that indicated to me that he clearly had seen it more than once. And he was, you know, somebody that really loved and identified with that movie. And I remember he like had me call up his mom on the phone, like woke her up in the middle. You know, so the people who grew up with Prancer, and I feel like I grew up with Prancer, you know, they really, it was like a part of their childhood. And it's just amazing to me as a 41-year-old woman that kids are still watching this movie for the first time. And, you know, there was a period of time in my young life where it was kind of scary for me to think that maybe this was going to be the biggest thing that I had ever done as an eight-year-old, that the height of my impact or influence or success would be something that I had done as a child. And um, especially when I was failing in Hollywood and I felt a lot of pressure to succeed. Um, And now as a filmmaker, having made 15 films of my own and sort of like living out this sort of legacy that I feel that Jesse would be proud of. I don't have that (laughs) feeling anymore. Like for me, Prancer is something that I'm so proud of. I'm so happy to share it with my kids. I'm so grateful that it continues to live on to this day. And, you know, I love that I'm somebody that can make grown men cry. Like, how cool is that? (laughs) Mission accomplished. (laughs) Wonderful. Rebecca, uh, again, per our contractual obligation for me not to hold you on the show for two straight days and you uh, your family have to put a missing person alert out. Part I want to. Yeah. Every Christmas. <laughs> Every Christmas. We're coming back. <laughs> um, I want to thank you again uh, on behalf of both Max and I, Buzz in the Tower, our fans, the fans of Prancer. Uh, is there any story you missed, didn't get to tell? I didn't ask the right question. Anything you want to throw in there before we wrap? And uh, and feel free, go as hard to the right or left as you want. Max and I have a tendency, like I said, to be all over the map. Oh, gosh. I mean, there are so many stories. Like, I remember um, Sam Elliott and our direct, our producer, Rafaela De Laurentiis, they would swear all the time. And so... <laughs> Being the plucky schemer that I am, I came up with this idea that I would charge 10 cents every time they would say a swear word and I would then go use it in the arcade. You made a swear (laughs) jar for Sam Elliott. Yes. And actually that arcade is where I learned how to drive, by the way, which is why I've got such great driving skills, (laughs) you know, like the arcade game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one night, one of the cast members' husbands had gotten arrested and they had to, the crew had to go bail him out of jail. And I remember I showed up at breakfast with my little swear jar and I remember they were just like in, they were just like swearing up a storm. So I was like sitting, I got right in there between Sam and Raphael and all the people. And I was like, Oh, 10 cents. 10. And then I, I decided to up my money actually to 25 cents per swear that morning. Cause they were really going at it. And then Raphaela, she took out a hundred dollar bill and she laid it down on the table and she was like, go away. So I, I took my hundred and I went off to the 
arcade. It was it was pretty awesome. And actually, one other crazy story was one night, Raffaella, she, I mean, this was the 80s, so every all of the crew was smoking cigarettes. And so in my room at the Holiday Inn in LaPorte, Indiana, was right <laughs> next to her room at the Holiday Inn in LaPorte, Indiana. And she fell asleep in bed smoking her cigarette. Oh, wow. And her bed caught on fire. And oh, wow. And her caught on fire. And I remember... I was so tired because we had just been where we were working six day weeks and I was just so exhausted. I didn't even wake up and oh my God. The, the sprinkler system was going off. Like there was smoke, you know, above my head. Oh, wow. I mean, it was like it was full on fire. Yeah. And I remember actually getting my mom pulled me out of bed and um, I remember kind of waking up in the hallway and we were crawling because there was only about two feet of oxygen on the floor and then the rest was smoke. And I remember seeing these giant boots oh coming gosh. and then they picked me up and they carried me out to the lobby and everybody was out there in their pajamas in the lobby. And then I remember the next day um, going into the production office. It was a Saturday. I'm sorry. It was a Sunday. It was our one day off. And I ran into the production office and I went and I jumped on Raffaella's desk because I, I just loved her. And I said, Rafi, did you see the fire last night? And she was smoking a cigarette and she's holding a cigarette in her mouth. And she, she goes, darling. And she took a drag from the cigarette and then she blew it out. She goes, I started the fire. <laughs> <laughs> and I will never forget that. And I remember oh. she was just like so powerful, like this woman who was like behind the whole making of this film. And she really is somebody that I consider a mentor who helped put me on this path of, wow. of producing movies. Unbelievable. So that's incredible that's incredible (laughs) well Rebecca gosh I mean this has been such a blast for us I hope you had a fun time I know like it's uh, I know you got a lot going on a lot of projects you're working on and then obviously two little projects called your kids and those are full-time too so um, we're so unbelievably humbled that you joined us today and we had so much fun with you and we hope this is not the last time that we have you on we would we have an open door for you anytime you want to come on here and then let us know any projects you're working on that we can push our fans are your fans like the people that love Buzz in the Tower the people that love Prancer, the people that love Jesse Riggs, are the people that love Rebecca Tickell, not Tickle, Tickell. I always remember that from now on. And uh, do you well, we'll have to do a, a Prancer watching party sometime? Oh, definitely done, done. Party. Director's commentary, absolutely yeah. done. Well, yes. I'm not the director, so I'll, I'm, you know, but I'll tell I, you. I'll get a different wig. I'll be the director. It's all right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that would be super fun. Unbelievable, Max. Any closing words as we wrap the show? I want a picture of the yellow jacket. You want a picture of the yellow jacket? There you go. Um, I I have no closing words other than I am a a 42-year-old Jewish man who believes in Christmas because of you. So just know that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, Max, I'll see you next week. And Rebecca will probably be showing up outside of your farm any time in the future. Now that we're best friends, we'll be seeing a lot yeah, of each other. I'll yeah. put you to work. We'll go pick some avocados Done. Together. Max has got strong hands. He's work, working in the yard. I was a firefighter. I am a firefighter, it. but that doesn't mean I have strong hands. Really? So. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yep, thank that's, you. Oh, oh my thank gosh. you. He thank just you. got promoted you, to lieutenant. Stop it. Jesus. Wow. Yesterday. You know, we, we survived the Thomas fire here. And so, you know, after you go through something like that, you have a whole new respect for that kind of work and I'm just on behalf of all of the people whose houses and lives you've saved thank you so well I appreciate it thank you very much and uh you have uh, started the fire of joy in my heart no, no it. It's it's bad. it was it's always bad. burning it was, it was yeah it was it was good until on that note have a great night folks <laughs>
you're still here. It's over. Go home. Go. Go.